This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Yair Rodriguez has the best finish in UFC history and maybe combat sports history. We will discuss whether that's the case. Donald Cerrone, now the winningest fighter in UFC history, and could his next opponent be Conor McGregor? TJ Dillashaw will move down to flyweight to face Henry Zahudo for the title in what could be the division's last fight at UFC 233. The next month, UFC 234, Whitaker versus Gastelum is official in Australia. And joining us this week is the returning Cynthia Calvillo, who returns this weekend after a near one-year layoff to face Pollyanna Battaglio, Santiago Ponzinibbio, uh, who headlines the card in his home country against Neil Magny, will also join the show. And Devontae Smith, who scored his first UFC win this past weekend in Denver, joins us as well. Thanks to those listening on TSN Radio in Toronto and Ottawa, order the podcast. Please tell your friends, review the show, and subscribe. So, Joe, Cynthia Calvillo coming back after um, nearly a year layoff, six six months um, suspension for marijuana metabolites. Yeah, ridiculous. Nick derails her career. And it Great. means six and one. Yeah. I mean, good run, good he- uh, attention yeah. coming on, and to have to take a break from that. I know. Yeah, I'm interested in speaking with her about that. I I don't know what she's gonna like. I, I'm I'm always yeah. curious about it. Like the the D has like if you're we're currently in a medical suspension and they changed the the ruling. Did they get the exemption? So if I'm suspended for a year for marijuana use and then all of a sudden the rules change where your levels could be at a certain level. No, they no because they, it's, commission, it's commission to commission and you have to follow the rules at that to. time. Like even even in Texas, I think Texas is one of the commissions where you have like the. The threshold is extremely low yeah. for marijuana metabolites. Like, I think Curtis Blades got suspended in Texas and had, like, a very minuscule amount. And his, his fight was overturned. Like, it's weird. It's it's commission by commission. And you can't go back, and to on, like, you know, on rules. Like, yeah. if it's been changed, you can't. Unless they make the exemption because they're changing the rule. Yeah. But yeah. if you've already been suspended, I don't think they could retroactively change that. Um, so, Yair Rodriguez this weekend, 25th anniversary. What a way to celebrate yeah. it with... I think the craziest knockout ever. Yeah, so you're watching. It, you're, you're watching this. Yeah. You see what's happening. You see Korean zombie charge in, and then go down. What did you think yeah. happened? I, I honestly, on first, first impression. First impression. I agreed with what Felder said. I thought it was a headbutt, a clash, because of the angle that it happened, and I couldn't see anything that happened. So it kind of looked like they dipped, and then it looked like they were just both exhausted. I didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like. He's out from the breathing of, of um, you know, the Korean zombie. I yeah. saw him flat out. Then I was like, okay, he's out. Yeah, He's out. So then it kind of all came together. But from the angle that it happened live, I didn't see the elbow at all. I thought I was actually closer than you. I thought it was a shoulder. I thought he, I thought he went in and went and that Yair moved and that his chin hit his shoulder, hit the shoulder which okay. would be legal, yeah. right? That's, yeah. that's a legal strike. Hell yeah. A lot it would of be a total fluke. Shoulders, yeah. yeah, but... Uh, you see it in the clinch a lot. A lot of guys yeah. will try to shoulder bump and try to hit the chin or... Uh, speaking of which, your latest video, Escaping the Clinch, we'll discuss that later. Yeah, there you go. But uh, we, uh, we saw that, yeah, like a sh- I thought it was just a shoulder and it was just kind of forward momentum. He got yeah. clipped and went down. But I was, so it's pretty close. Yeah. But, but the fact that Yair yeah, was throwing with intent an up elbow, yeah. like that finish will never happen again in terms of how it happened, when it happened. Happened, the circumstances surrounding it, I thought it was. I thought it was the craziest finish I've ever seen. I was yeah. yelling at the TV. Yeah, I was like half tired when I was watching it too. But I was messaging guys on my team. I was in a mid message, being like, "Hey man, we got to get it. Yeah, you're Rodriguez to Team Bazooka. Like he's missing a right low kick, his distance control, this and this and this. And then all of a sudden that happened. Like while well, I was mid texting, and then I was just yelling and screaming as a fan. I just lost it. Yeah, same with me. Yeah. I was in the office. I, usually, I, I don't if get I was excited, at home, if I was at home, I would have woken up the family. Yeah. Usually, I, I don't I, get I, that excited, what? man. What? Yeah. 
I yeah. felt like I was a commentator at that point. Like I'm reacting to it because usually you have to just get there and get all excited. But man, yeah, I will say Fitzgerald, it was crazy. And Fitzgerald and uh, Felder did a great job this weekend. Yeah, I thought so. Kudos too. to them. The yeah. one thing that they sh- that I wish they would have changed. I actually sent Karen Bryant a message on Twitter. She didn't respond to me, but that's neither here nor there. When they came out of the show after that crazy knockout, it goes to the post show. And it's Karen Bryan's voice being like, we're here in Denver, Colorado. For the, It was a pre-taped voice. Oh, yeah. So the enthusiasm wasn't as was high lost, as it could yeah. have been. There's and TV that's, and that's not her fault, obviously. Yeah. It's the production timing. It's, yeah, it's timing. It's the, produ- the producer would have to adjust on the fly and be like, Karen, you're going to do a live read right now. We're going oh, yeah. to play the, the uh, scenics, which are, for those uh, that are at home, the scenics are like you know, shots of the city yep. that they show. And you're going to react live and be like, we're in Denver, this, is, this just happened. Yeah, they but have like, to do that. But otherwise, it was just like, dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Hey, we're in Denver, Colorado yeah. for the yeah, 25th anniversary. Yeah. With Glory, we have to do it too sometimes. Yeah, you do the, with the opens. A lot yeah. of times I do the open, like, we are live. And then all of a sudden, it's like, no, it's just me and Todd behind the backdrop before the show, right? right. Yeah. We have and, to because yeah. for timing. And like all those intro videos when you're watching in this gold, we're coming up next. Yeah. Yair Rodriguez trains at Jackson Winklejohn, and he's going to try to get his third win in a Row. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff is all pre-taped. They they don't do it live. Yeah, no, those are actually live. Are those, they? Those are live. Yeah, those really? are done live. I don't like think during he, the show. No, I, when Goldberg was doing the, I, I could have sworn they, they were pre-packaged. Like right now, it's it should be the play-by-play guy that does it because I know that because well, this is with Glory, but when um, Todd usually does them, so when Todd does in-ring interviews. And all of a sudden, I have to fill time. So my time filler is like, all right, you know, great fight from so and so. Excited to see them next. But coming up next, we got so and so. Oh like, no, no, I that's live. That's yeah. live. But what I'm talking You're about not is talking those. No, you like know, the beginning of the show. No, I'm talking about like you know, right before a fight when they show. It's like in between. They do a feature, like yeah, the, the, like yeah, the little feature. Yeah, yeah. Okay, those yeah. I think are pre-taped. Yes, a lot of those a lot are pre-packaged. Of those are, yeah. yeah, so okay, those ones um, are that was the problem with the post show. But then obviously after her after her intro, they were all like fired up. Yeah, but uh, I just didn't. Whatever, it's a TV thing. It's it's not super important for this show. <laughs> but uh, so Yair, um, how like people are calling it the comeback of the year, and yeah. people are getting all over me on Twitter because I said. I don't even consider it a comeback because there's no open scoring. Like I don't think that you could have definitively said that Year knew he was going to lose yeah, the fight at that the point. Thing. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought Year was doing better. I didn't think he was down three one. I thought he was controlling distance better. I thought when you talk about ring control, yeah, Korean Zombie was coming forward with this cage control, but it was actually Rodriguez controlling distance of the fight, controlling the pace. He was staying longer. I thought he was pulling, you know, the zombie into him. I thought he was winning. I thought maybe two, two and two. And yeah, I had a two and two round. going into the fifth. Also, yeah. I thought that if you looked at the stats, Korean Zombie was blowing him out in terms of total strikes. Like he was, he was landing almost double. But yeah. when you were watching the actual fight go down, I thought Yuri was landing the far better strikes. I thought he was countering really well. Yeah. I thought he was getting out of the way Using well. His jab good at some yeah. points as and well. And he was keeping the fight, like you said, at the distance that was preferred for him. Zombie yeah. wants to get in, and Yuri was doing a good job of whenever Zombie got in to getting back out, getting yeah. back out to distance. And controlling that really well. Yep. So when people were saying, "Oh, anybody," somebody was like, "It was four nothing zombie going into the fifth round." I was no like, I, had, "I don't know." Like I, no. I don't know. I mean, two of the judges had a three one zombie. Uh, another judge had had a tied going into the uh, the fifth. I can see how people would score it that way, but if they would have, if after that fight they would have announced that year one by like split decision or something, yeah, that would have been okay. I, I would have been okay with it. I wouldn't have been. I, I would have still thought that that Korean zombie won. The guy had based Korean zombie winning three round. rounds. Yeah, yeah, based on that fifth round. Yeah. But um. Like when people are saying comeback of the year, 
like the way that I think of it is for a comeback, I think of like Paul Craig and uh, Ankalaya, yeah. a beating and, and Derek back. Lewis versus yeah, Derek Lewis versus Volkov, like where it's totally lopsided, where no judge on the planet would be like, I think Lewis won round one. Yeah, yeah, that's like, a comeback. Yeah, yeah, no, it I needs to be like you. a blowout. Yeah, that's more of a knockout of the year. I think it's a knockout, it. knockout of, uh, of eternity. Like I, yeah. I can't think of a knockout that's better than that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I was trying to think of some too. I'm not really. My memory doesn't work well of thinking that. But I, what comes to mind? Everyone wants to say the Anderson Silva front kick, uh, the Belfort. But we've seen that again. Like we saw that recently with uh, yeah, that Barboza spinning heel kick. Who did, who did the front kick? The oh, it was uh, Machida against Vitor Belfort. Against Belfort again. Yeah. yeah. Um, the spinning heel kick from Barboza. That's I pretty that crazy. One. Yeah, that I one is crazy. That one. But at the same time, like if you. If you were to watch that fight, like let's say you were watching that fight for the first time next to Rodriguez versus Zombie for the first time. Yeah. I think that that Rodriguez knockout, like you'd be like, would I cannot believe. Yeah, it would shock you more. Yeah, yeah. Because so. just because of, of the timing. When, how, the timing, like the circumstances. Yeah, yeah. That's, but like, knockout itself, I think I prefer the spinning hook kick, but the circumstance, I have to go yeah. with the elbow. Yeah, like I think there are better knockouts in terms of, like, even in kickboxing, you see some of those crazy, nice like, kicks. spinning kicks and stuff like that and um, and all of that. But um, in terms of technique, I don't think that it was the, the best knockout yeah. of all time. But in terms of when you take oh, yeah. when you look at the big picture, you look at the painting. Yeah. It's I just thought it had it all. And what did you take from that last ten seconds? What did he say? Like was it like, are we gonna do this? Are we not? Because there was like a pause. It looked they like they stopped and kind of shook hands. Like, like I think they thought I think that thought the fight might have been over because I think the fans were probably loud. Yeah. And then yeah, zombie like, charged in. I think they I'm were like, just kind of ten seconds kinda kinda after a, a great fight like this, you're not gonna fight the last ten yeah. seconds. So I was like, let's go, boys. Like we just had a great mm-hmm. fight. Let's the zombie said he it. was embarrassed afterwards. That he, after he lost, he said he was embarrassed, yeah. and he's gonna get a lot more. Like my loss with Nikki Holtzkin, kind of a very similar situation. We ended up getting fight of the year, back and forth, and then I got dropped in the last ten, not ten, less than ten seconds of the fight, and ended up losing that fight. But, but I, I think got the difference is more attention if, than anything. If zombie would have just Taking his foot off the pedal and, and whatever, like not charged in, he would have won that fight. Yeah. So it is kind of embarrassing. I can see why it's embarrassing for him, but at the same time, like you said, that's probably the fight of the year. Yeah. I like I, I I thought that every round was great. I thought it was a really close competitive fight, and then when you look at at how it ended, it's like if you if you look again at the big picture, that's the fight of the year. Yeah, but now he's probably upset now that he knows the scorecard. You don't like yeah. he didn't know the scorecard. Well, that's why I keep man. trying to say to people, he and everybody's calling everybody on he social media are saying I'm dumb. No, he didn't know the scorecard, <laughs> guys. Like, I mean, he, I said it's, he there's has no open go. scoring. I get called yeah. dumb for my performance as well, but I'm like, I don't. I still watch. I don't know if I was winning. My corner said it was one round apiece. What do you do? Like, if it's that close of a fight, your corner should tell you win the round. Win the round, win the round. It's close. We don't know. Win the round. Did you see, end up seeing the scorecards? Like, were you down two to none? I didn't know. You don't know. I don't okay. know. I still don't know. I, I never you could got probably to find that out, couldn't you? You I don't could know. probably. I th- if you called the commission, you could probably find people. out. You mm-hmm. should probably call the commission. Yeah, I'm going to ask my friends at the commission. Which, uh, which commission? Where it was, was that? It would probably fight? be the ISK. It was Japan. Oh, Japan. Okay, well, good yeah. luck. I know. That's the issue. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the issue. But yeah. I would love to know. Like, I've If it ta- was like Missouri, you just contact yeah. like, whatever. I've <laughs> talked to Mike's gym in Holland, like the most prestigious gym and coach in, in all of kickboxing. He goes to me, like, this is Badahari's coach. It was Gokan Saki's coach. He goes to me, uh, you were winning that fight. I, I've talked to people. They're like, no, you were losing. You had to go and I thought it. you were down 2 none. if I remember from watching. Because yeah. I, I, I understood why you were charging in the third round. I'm like, okay, well, Joe, yeah. Joe needs I, to. I personally thought I was 
up because my combinations were landing more. I was attacking more. But when he did the shots, he was doing a little bit more of the damage sometimes. So it was kind of like the pressure, my combinations, my volume versus his one shot, you know. So it was damage versus combination. But regardless, close fight and you have to go for it. Yeah. And against the bond, the bond, I think you were pretty clearly up, right, going into the fourth? Um, I thought I was because um, I dropped him. Yeah, and then I was up three with uh, with a knockdown. Then he won the last two with a knockdown. Yeah. so it came up to the one round that I won. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. would have been like the first round. I just remember watching it and being like, he, you know, uh, yeah, it was close. But yeah. he, the but Mark won the last two rounds definitively. I watched that. I watched that fight at a Run the Jewels concert. Like I was, I was there to see. Do you know Run the Jewels? No, uh, they're they're like a very popular rap outfit, which I'm surprised you haven't heard. Okay. But I went. I was seeing them. This was like back, like before they were super popular. It was at a small club, and in between. In between sets, yeah, you before got to their see set, a little? it was like the perfect amount of time to watch your fight. I was watching it on my phone. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. So I was watching. Uh, I was that watching was you on, versus uh, the Bond. Spike at, no, that was uh, where did that play? No, that was pay per view. That was a pay per view event. I don't know how I had access to it. Well, anyhow, yeah. let's continue with the show. <laughs> okay. um, so uh, Dillashaw. Um, actually, let's let's keep talking about Denver because uh, Donald Cerrone got a win over uh, over Mike Perry. Yeah, that's definitely something we should talk about. And um, I thought that. Uh, it was interesting that Perry decided to take him down. I think Perry has kind of acknowledged that that was a mistake. Yeah. Um, he even uh, talked about his whole camp. He didn't wrestle at all. He predicted this fight would have been all on the feet. He thought he was going to use his head movement to get inside and blast out his power punches. But, yeah, I don't know why he went. I think he was just it just presented it instinct, himself and yeah. he went. Maybe he wanted to wear Cerrone out. Maybe he found his distance wasn't there. He wasn't connecting as well as he thought. So a lot of times a good striker, especially someone with good pressure fighting, if you fake the takedown or you go for some takedowns, it actually opens up your striking. So that's probably was a, was the strategy. Wrestle him a little bit. Then when he anticipates the wrestle, boom, there's your power punching, and that's how you get better results. But, uh, yeah, stupid. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. when you, retrospectively, you know? Yeah. I think you forget how good Cowboy is on the ground. That's yeah, the issue. Yeah, Cowboy hasn't subbed anybody in, in quite no, some time. He's been issue. standing up. You forget how good he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's excellent on the ground. Yeah. Um, and now it looks like he's going to move back down to 155. And uh, he was hinting that maybe Conor McGregor is his next opponent. After yeah, the fight, saw, he said that. he said they have somebody in mind for me. They've already talked to me about it. It'll be at lightweight. Yeah. And uh, everybody was kind of like, who is it? And he was like, no, nah, I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah. But... This is the problem I have with the Cowboy Cerrone and Connor fight from a Connor perspective. Okay. And this isn't a knock on Cerrone, but Cerrone's best days are behind him. Absolutely. It's a little too late. He's, he's a, well, he's a, great, he's a great fighter. Obviously, he can still beat a Mike Perry. He can still beat a, a Yancey Medeiros. But um, if Connor McGregor loses to Cerrone, his stock drops. It basically plummets. Yeah. Like, it, we're, we're talking like Nortel, Briex plummets. I don't know. I probably just aged myself there. Do you get any of those references? <laughs> Nortel? Yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 Good. My parents invested in it and were part of it. Yeah. So, so did my grandfather. I know but about it. Everything my grand my grandfather was one of those lucky in life, unlucky in cards guys where yeah. he every every stock he bet he picked, yeah. you were like, Okay, just like short sell that one and you can make some money. Yeah. But um go. so Connor needs to I think Connor for his next fight needs to fight a guy where if he loses, people are like, okay, well, Connor lost to a really great fighter here. Like, like if he GSP. lost to Poirier or a GSP or um, a Kevin Lee, yeah, maybe not Lee, but one of those guys, like a really highly, highly, uh, somebody who's thought of as one of the top guys, then at least you can say, well, you know what, Connor's losing to the highest echelon of guys. If he loses to a, a Cowboy Cerrone, yeah, um, again, no disrespect to Donald, Connor McGregor is pretty much done in terms of his. Ability to fight for a title again. I yeah. think that he would have to basically just be a guy that fights in like 
fights yeah. that are cool. Absolutely. Pretty much. He try to get those super fun money fights that are fun, fights, like Anderson yeah. Silva. Some random, yeah. That's how he should end his career now. Like, I don't do you know, think so? You don't think don't, he should go for gold or try to get fight Khabib I don't think again? He's there. I don't think he's got it. I think there's too many, especially in the lightweight division. There's too many young, hungry killers that I don't think he can get past. Well, and I, I mean, think here's, just gonna... here's the fight where I think that would, I think the fight with Poirier, a rematch, would make a lot of sense. He beat yeah. Poirier at 145. Poirier wants to prove that he's like the number one guy. Yeah, make that fight because it looks like, uh, you know, from all indications, Ferguson is going to be getting Khabib next. Yeah, I I heard the rumor that um, Connor and Aldo too. Yeah, that Aldo might be moving up to one fifty five, and and the reason why that's I think that's interesting is because Dana White was um was talking about guys that were all coming back. Oh, this guy's coming back, and he mentioned Aldo out of nowhere, seemingly. Um. And that has been boxing a lot too, right? Yeah, and that leads me to believe that Aldo versus Connor at one fifty five would be good. Yeah. I, do you remember after after Connor beat Aldo in the cage? He it looked like Connor felt really bad for Aldo because he had beaten him in thirteen seconds. Aldo was a legend at the time; nobody could touch Aldo. Beats him in thirteen seconds, and he says to Aldo, "This is something along the lines of like, we'll do it again. Don't worry about it. We'll do it yeah. again." For sure I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, you didn't really get to see Aldo fight. Like even on that fight, I thought. You know, Aldo would have won that fight. I had Aldo winning that Aldo fight. Aldo was favorite, I think, going yeah. into that fight. I had Aldo winning that fight. We just never got to see the fight unfold. Mm-hmm. We don't know what happened. He got caught early. Good timing, but Connor, good this, Connor good called it, though. Yes. Connor called it. Connor yeah. said that's how he was going to beat him. He yeah. saw the opening in advance of the fight. Yeah. I know you see it, and you plan it, you train it. Sometimes it happens, but I, I mean, I'm sure Aldo prepared for that as well. Yeah. I mean, he just got caught. So I, it's gotta ha- I, I would like it. I mean, it's a fair fight. And the, I mean, Connor could be rematch is interesting to me too. I don't, I don't like. I don't, it I don't think it makes sense immediately. Yeah, it's got to wait. You know, if it, it would, it would make money. Yeah. <laughs> it would make a lot of money. I know. I think one or two more, and then that's it. But does Khabib want to fight that long? Khabib, I think, wants to fight. He wants to beat Ferguson, and then he wants to either fight Connor again or retire. Like I don't think that Khabib wants to fight much longer. Yeah. But if Khabib ends up beating Ferguson and retiring, he's probably the best ever. Like I, he's never lost. Has lost one round in his UFC career officially. Yeah, like I don't know, but Ferguson, I think would I, I actually I like Ferguson from a matchup standpoint against against Khabib. I've been saying it ever yeah, since they, been, they first been. announced that fight. Yeah, <laughs> four times ago, whenever yeah. it was. Yeah, I don't I've know. I've always said I like Ferguson yeah. in that fight because I think that if Khabib gets Ferguson to the ground, he's in a whole different world. The the nobody's challenged the off their back against Khabib. Attacking Khabib. is is very yeah, important. You exactly. got to attack from the he's bottom. He's offensive and from bottom. Wicked that. Like, Good elbows, he can mix it up. Yeah. Because Connor is good from bottom, like he's good offensively from bottom in terms of strikes. But Khabib knows he's not in any trouble against Connor from yeah, bottom. Yeah, he knows how to control against position. Ferguson. You're in trouble. The moment you take him down, you get into that rubber guard. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, uh, he he hits you with those elbows yeah. and and throws up triangles and stuff like that. Like, yeah, he's he's probably the most amazing unpredictable conditioning. Fighter. Amazing, amazing pace. conditioning. Yeah. So in those later rounds, you got to almost favor. You know, Ferguson in the 4-5 even. Yeah, and then if Khabib doesn't like being on the ground with him and you get up, Ferguson's the better striker. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it's there, definitely. It's the biggest threat overall. I always like that fight better than Conor versus Khabib. Just from, just, Connor's just threat from was a only on the hands. Yeah. Connor's threat was only on the hands where with Ferguson you get the ground attacking, you get the up. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I've always, I always thought Good Khabib point. was the worst matchup for Conor. Yeah. Because Conor, I think, would actually do well against Ferguson. Like, I think if it's Conor versus Ferguson... Oh yeah, I on think the Connor feet, does Connor, well. Because Ferguson gets hit in every fight. Yeah, he gets tagged a lot. 
But I don't know. Khabib looked good. His striking was awesome. We saw an improvement in his striking in his hands, so Khabib's hands could get some but, threat. But the you know? difference between against a guy like Ferguson, and I mean, you're the guy who trains martial arts, not me, but in my mind, um, the big the big difference between Connor versus Khabib in terms of striking and Tony versus Khabib in terms of striking is that the threat of the takedown to Connor is so deadly yeah. that it opens up the striking for Khabib. And Khabib can land more because yeah. he can he can faint and yeah, he can because Connor will only throw like a single shot. He's looking for the one shot right. where Khabib will come. Fo- uh, sorry, where Ferguson will come forward more with volume. Right, and Ferguson isn't as threatened by the takedown. Yeah, so so Khabib won't be able more. to have as much success with his power punch he did against Connor. But, uh, but that sometimes helps the takedown at that point because when you're coming forward with punches, it opens up the leg, so it could open up the takedown that way. Yeah. So, which I mean, that's the you have to find that balance with Khabib. But I don't think, but I don't think that Ferguson cares about being taken. But like, I think that unless Khabib is able to take him down into side control every single time, yeah. I guess if you can control him, I guess we'll find out in round one. Yeah. <laughs> After well, and round the, and one, and can, then you know at that point, well, and then you can just make an adjustment. Him, but uh, but for how long? Yeah. You gotta you, have, you gotta fight Khabib with a toolkit that's really deep. You mm-hmm. gotta have. Long fighting, pressure fighting. You better have good elbows because you're fighting in the clinch a lot. You better have good takedowns. You got to have a full tool set to yeah, get into There's that, honestly man. nobody outside of Ferguson that I think matches up well against Khabib. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like of maybe, 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 because of that toolkit. Maybe Kevin Lee. Because of that toolkit. That, yeah. that toolkit of having, and, and then, you know, Ferguson has it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you Kevin, Kevin Lee would be interesting because I'm not sure how easy it would be for Khabib to get Kevin Lee down, but if he got Kevin Lee down, I don't think Lee poses much of a threat off his back either. Yeah. Kevin Lee is dangerous too. He is. I mean? He's he dangerous on the feet. wrestling and He's that, got good that feet, wrestling. explosive. But then again, Ferguson beat Kevin Lee, right? Yeah. It was a Kevin Lee with a staff infection that barely made weight, yeah. but he still beat him. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, we're gonna find out. It's gonna be fun. So I uh, think it's a fun matchup. In one of the weirder moves, uh, last week Chad Laprise was here and he said they're 100 percent closing down the flyweight division, and then later that day an article comes out saying they're gonna yeah. close the flyweight division by the end of the year. Not so anymore because it looks like they've booked Dillashaw versus Cejudo for next year at uh, UFC 233 in Anaheim. And I think it's one of the dumbest fights that yeah. have ever been made. You're we were talking about this. I think it's idiotic. I, I met you today. You, you're like, hey, Joe, hey, I got to talk about this division. It's been on your mind. You got to let it out. Well, right. so here's, here's, let what, it out. here's the issue that I have with this. Why? Yeah. So what's, let's, take, let's look at both outcomes. Okay. So Hudo beats Dillashaw. Then what? So if, if the title goes away... Then Sahuda's going to move up to bantamweight and fight Dillashaw again because he's beaten him. Yeah, that, but that's the stupid part of it. Yeah. And and how many guys have fought for the bantamweight bantamweight title in the last two years? Yeah. If you look at everybody that's fought for the bantamweight title in the last, I think it's it might even be three years, it might even be four years. Four guys. Yeah. It's been Uriah Faber, okay. Dominic Cruz, Garbrandt, and Dillashaw. Those are the four people that have had a shot at the bantamweight yeah. title or defended the bantamweight title over the last, I think it's three or four years. Might be three years, might be two years, something along those lines. I, I looked it up previously. Um, so everybody else at bantamweight: Marlon Moraes, Asun Sao, um, Dom, well, Dom Cruz, Lineker, all these guys that are trying to get a title shot have just been stagnant. They've been sitting there. Yeah. Jimmy Rivera. So you're gonna you're gonna stall the division for another year potentially because if Cejudo beats Dillashaw, that's the fight you have to make. You have to make Cejudo versus Dillashaw at 135. Yeah. That's the fight people are gonna want to see. You so everybody in that division now has to sit around for another year and wait yeah. for something to happen. Now you if, have to because if Suhuda's a two division champ, you got to give him the re. If he just beat the current champ at that way, you have to. Yeah, you have to give him a shot to become to. A, yeah. a champ at one thirty five. Now, if Dillashaw wins, 
he holds a title for a day. He's the yeah. two division champion for a See, day. I don't the mind title. that, Aaron. I don't. I don't mind that. Well, because but he still has but the here's, belt, but and then Cejudo goes into the the other the featherweight division. But here's what bothers me about it: is the bantamweight division still stays stagnant? Yeah. So flyweight but goes Cejudo away. Cejudo doesn't necessarily need a, an immediate rematch but at, what, at like, 145. Aside from being a token, oh, sorry, 135. What is it? Why does Dillashaw need the flyweight title? Who cares? So you're going to make a guy cut down to 125, change the I, way his body is for I just one think fight. He's he's now. At, I don't. They put him now at a pound-for-pound pound list now. They're talking Dillashaw is one of the pound-for-pound pound best. So I think in now Great, so in go order, up to a division. Go up to 145. And, go up to an actual division. to be described as a pound-for-pound pound best, it's now, in definition, you need two division champs. Yeah, I mean, I think a, because it's yeah, easier it's the title, for him. Yeah, but it's a title for a division that's dissolved. Yeah. The, 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 the cupboard's empty. Yeah, but it's still there now. I, I don't mind it. But if Cejudo wins, I think it's... A, it's, it's, pointless. A, it's, it's pointless. It's pointless to continue having this belt. Yeah. If you're getting rid of the division, it is utterly pointless to have yeah. this belt. It, it, it is a mean... It's a, it's a piece, but look uh, it's at a piece of metal. Legacy. Dillashaw's legacy. I mean, to go up 145, that's, that's, that's crazy for him right now. If you now, want to talk you know, about legacy, the fight, the fight was Demetrius. Yeah, it was. If he yeah. was, was going to beat Demetrius that in, been in, the when the division exists, that's the fight. If he beats Cejudo at 125, that's great. Good for him. He beat a guy. He was able to move down to, to this guy's weight class and beat him. But Cejudo doesn't have the resume right now. I mean, he's the only guy this, to beat DJ. He I think got this injured is in the fight. honoring Dillashaw, the UFC honoring Dillashaw. I think that has to be the move. That's, that's why they're doing it. But I honestly think Cejudo wins. Well, no, the reason why they're doing it is because Cejudo wanted more money to move up to 35. Yeah. He wants a new contract. Sure he said this UFC. on the show. He yeah, said, he said my contract him. is at flyweight. So if I'm going to move up a weight class, I need to be compensated. And that's fair. He should let the guy get his money. I'm uh, Listen, I'm not going to try to take money out of anybody's yeah. pockets. But the the reason why like the the reason why this sense, this fight makes sense for Cejudo at flyweight is if he ends up winning, he's going to get an immediate shot at the next title yeah. weight class up and his legacy ends up but being But why doesn't he since he's the current champ now, why doesn't he just go fight him and get the two division champ now, right? If he fought Dillashaw at one thirty five, and then he would have had two belts anyways. Sure, makes a lot of sense. Well, he would have had one belt because the division's gone. Well, at that moment, he would have had two, right? No, the division's gone. The division's gone at the end of the year. That's that's what the plan was. It's officially gone. Not officially, but but you th- they're still, still talking about. But it. I think he would still be considered a two division champion. Even though the division's dead or not, and yeah, Cejudo you, goes up to one thirty five sure. wins, he's still sure, a two division yeah, yeah. champ. Sure, that matters, and th- that's yeah. fine for legacy and, and all that. And a, and he's an Olympic gold medalist, like yeah. he, so I think he that's becomes a highly the, decorated yeah. guy. But I just think that keeping the fight at flyweight makes no sense at all. Yeah, I agree. Because you can I at agree. least justify saying Cejudo's moving up to bantamweight. He's going to fight for the title. He was the champion of flyweight. We're getting rid of the division. So we're in order to, to make it a seamless transition, we're going to take the champion of this division, have him face the champion of this division that he's going to be moving up to anyways. Yeah. So because not? after this fight, Cejudo's moving yeah. up to 135, or he's moving out. Yeah. Or he's, he's asking for his release. TJ Dillashaw legacy and that money issue. It's got to be. It just, th- the fight just makes no sense to me. Why, why are you stalling? You're stalling the division. It makes sense for TJ, though. It does make sense for him. He's probably happy about it because he wants that title. He wants that, you know, that check So mark. looking back 10 years from now, if the flyweight division is division gone... People are gonna say, "Well, he won a title in the division oh, yeah. that's gone. That was yeah. that was gone, and he never defended it because the title the, well, it went it away." Well, it is kind of history because he's officially has got that title that forever. When they look back and they're like, "Hey, this guy was the last person to be a champion," 
in this, you know, even it, for, I just think it stalls everything. Yeah, it it's does, just it it's stalls pointless. it, but I mean it's for Dillashaw and his legacy, I think it makes sense. And, Only and for here's, him. And here's not the, for anything else. And here's the other part of it that just irks me is the reason why nobody was on board with this division in recent years and they wanted to get rid of it was because Demetrius was was the Far and away the best guy in the division. Nobody could touch it. Look what happened in the first Zudo fight. Knocked him out in the first round. Yeah. Nobody came close to beating um, Johnson. And the big issue with why the, why there weren't any suitable challengers for him is because everybody kept beating each other. Like Borg would would beat would lose to Scoggins, and then uh, Benavides would would lose to. Sergio Pettis, and then Sergio Pettis would lose to who? Do, uh, who was it that he just lost to? Uh, Formiga. Formiga, yeah. So all these guys kept taking each other out of the mix. Yeah, there was never somebody a who was like this guy's. Contender. Yeah, there was never a clear contender. Right. Even Cejudo lost to Benavidez yeah. like in recent years. And every contender, I'd have to watch the countdown to be like, who is this guy yeah. again? You know, like. And then Horaguchi, because he's won two in a row, and everybody's like, this guy's great. Yeah. He gets put into a title shot when he's not ready. Yeah, thin divisions. Like sometimes even with glory. Like you're seeing a lot of the same two, three guys fight because I mean it's hard to find, you know, contenders in a division. If you're not getting any guy with a win streak, what do you do? But this says to me about flyweight though is that it was a very competitive division outside yeah. of Demetrius yeah. <laughs> because Demetrius was beating everybody, every challenger they threw at him. Yeah. Now Demetrius is gone. You have Cejudo at the top who's been beaten. Yeah. And someone could beat him again, yeah. and then we could have our changes in an actual division. Yeah, now. Benavidez is like a win away. Like if ben, if that Benavidez Borg fight would have happened, and Benavidez would have won, he's like now you've got the guy who's who's beaten Cejudo in the past is like back in title now, position. Are, are these guys all going to one FC in your eyes? Uh, I think the guys that are getting released are going to go somewhere. I mean, yeah. if, if Brandon, they don't. I don't know about Brandon Moreno yet. They said he's been taken off the rankings, and so has uh, Mateus Nicolau. These are good fighters. Are they letting guys at least have the option before canceling them if they can move up to the? the well, so the here's 35? the here's the situation with with flyweight. If you're coming off a loss, you're basically done because contractually they they don't they they're not obligated to you. Every contract in the UFC says off of a loss we can cut you. But if you're if you've won a fight, like Matt Schnell recently won a fight. They can't at 125, cut you off a they can't cut you. You ha- they have to say to you, we you know you you got to move up to, up to bantamweight. And if Matt Schnell said, well, I I want to stay at flyweight, release me, then they probably are going to release him. Yeah. But yeah. all these guys who are coming off wins now have grounds to move up to bantamweight and yeah. do something there. I mean, ten pounds, you're a smaller guy, get some strength and conditioning, cut less weight. But you know, I sent the message to Hector Sandoval, who has been removed from the rankings. Um, I said, you know, if you if they asked you to move up to bantamweight, you know, are you interested? He said, I walk around at 145. Like, I'm a flyweight. Like, I'm a natural flyweight. Yeah. I'd be way too small a bantamweight. Then I said, has the UFC contacted you about your future? And he didn't respond. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, so a lot of these people are, you know, they're going to be on their way out. Like, Shorty Torres got released. And Shorty, the weird thing about Shorty Torres getting released is that he was a bantamweight champion in Titan. Like yeah. he could he, he could have he went could have went up no problem, yeah. um, and who else? The they, Scoggins got released, and Scoggins is another guy who fights. Scoggins offered to f- to fill in at one thirty five recently, like he's a guy that can yeah. fight at one thirty five. So a lot of these guys, it's, it's a, it is a lot of trimming weight. the fat. It is a lot of weight, and the fighter psychology, even two pounds amongst fighters, is a big deal. I mean, so to expect guys ten pounds, I mean, if it means fighting in the UFC and not fighting in the UFC, yeah, I'm gonna put on ten pounds no matter what. I'm gonna do it, but to not have a UFC now because of it, you got. I, I just feel like you. What's the point of doing MMA anymore if you're not gonna to go to one FC or UFC? That's it now. 
right? Yeah. Because Bell- Bell- Bellator doesn't have a, a 125, do they? Um, no, they don't have a men's 125. No. Um, one one championship, obviously, will with Demetrius. It's just one and They can point, sign right? people. Um, Combates America, I think, have, yeah, have but it. but that's kind of going back. You're talking UFC. A lot of guys don't want to go backwards. If they're even yeah. making 50 grand a fight, no other organization. But Combates America is gonna... really big in Latin America. That's... Yeah, but I don't think they're paying what UFC is. Probably I did their not. reality show. I was on their reality oh, show. Oh, were you? Yeah. Combates America? Well, what did you do on the reality yeah, I show? Did, um, I was like the guest kickboxing coach. So oh, I had cool. all of their guys um, come in and I put them through kickboxing lessons. These are all smaller them. guys, though. Like a lot of these guys uh, from no, Latin this America. Was, um, I don't know. This was like a mixed uh, okay. weight. I had welterweights, lightweights in it. Hmm. Yeah, it was a couple years ago. Cool. Yeah, that that's a good organization for people that are like in Latin America. It's very yeah. it's solid. But um, yeah, like you said, there's not really a lot of places for flyweights to go, and they're not being paid as much as well. So it's tough for these guys. But if I'm seeing, if I'm like Bellator and I see Brandon Moreno has been like, go, I don't know if he has. Apparently, he hasn't been told anything yet. But he's been taken off the rankings for whatever reason. I would call him and be like, "You want to fight at one thirty-five? Like you're you're yeah. a stud. <laughs> like let's, let's you put on an exciting fights." Is this an opportunity for Bellator to pick up the, a one twenty-five division? Oh, uh, oh, maybe, maybe. Well, here's the thing: or are they just going to let one FC? What? Like, do you think that people really dislike the flyweight division? Like, I love the flyweight division. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed those fights. I mean, the problem is there's not a very high finishing rate, and I've, that's I, the you know. problem. People want finishes. But then you look at the women's divisions, and there's not a very high finishing rate there either. Yeah. So I I don't know. I think that. Uh, it's I think tough. I think it's they could have continued it. I mean, it's not it wasn't a very deep division, but like I said, all these guys kept beating each other. That was the big problem. Yeah, you couldn't. They they were they had a lot of trouble building these new contenders because you know everybody was was losing eventually. And there's no real big character either in the division. That's it, another it needs issue. a character too. Because right? if you look at Strawweight, you've got Joanna. Yeah, um, she was the the boogie woman there yeah. at one time. And now and if she's moving to 125, you've still yeah. got Rose. Even, even Rose got is, a, is a nice character. Andraj right? is fun to watch. Yeah. Tatiana Suarez is coming up. Like You've got some names of yeah. people that are interesting. Yeah. Um, 125 women's division, you've got Shevchenko, you've got Joanna now. Um, a lot of people are moving there. I don't think it's a very deep division. I, I'm not really super intrigued by it, but I think that... The, you know, they're making the fight to make, which is Shevchenko versus Joanna. Yeah. And then at 135, you've got Nunes, you've got some other... I mean, that division's kind of stagnant in reality. There's no contenders right now. Duranda May is probably the number one contender after winning. So Duranda May, if you look at her resume right now in the UFC, has never beaten a 135 or this currently that has ever won in the UFC. Um, and she's probably the number one contender. Because yeah, yeah, Pennington yeah. is a catchweight fight because Pennington missed weight. Okay. Prior to that, she beat Holm at 145. And then before that, she beat three uh, uh, females that that were in the UFC, but had never won a, have have still never won a UFC oh, fight. Won, yeah, huh? So it's that's who. Shallow. So that's who she's been, like. That's her yeah. resume, and it's not her fault. I mean, it's not her fault. Pennington didn't make weight, and Pennington's a great win. Yeah, and I heard she's had uh, she was off because of an eye injury. Yeah, that nearly ruined her career. She kicked yeah. the soccer ball, hit the post or something. And like you said, the soccer injuries. In the eye. Yeah, I was just fighting Aaron, injuries. Two, I had two surgeries from playing soccer. Yeah. I was tripped on a breakaway, and one was like in a tackle, and I fell on my wrist wrong. Boom, two surgeries. That's crazy. I've broken both my wrists, actually, too, when I was a kid. One, I was, uh, I was doing some uh, pro wrestling moves against a stuffed animal and jumped off the top shelf hey. and landed on my wrist. Did you win? No, I lost that no, night. Okay. It was my first Damn. loss. Yeah, the stuffed animal go. beat me. Yeah. I had to go to the hospital. Undefeated. Yeah. Until then, all right. Although, they, you know what? The stuffed animals would beat me every now and then because we needed to build storylines. Yeah, you needed it. That's yeah. it. That's it. You needed to. It wouldn't be funny if you I had, a, lo- I had a lonely childhood, it seems. <laughs> In reflection. <laughs> yeah. I used to be scared of the dark, and this is a big secret here, but I used to be scared of the dark. So, like, a reward from my parents were like, hey, if you sleep in the dark, we'll buy you something. And it was just 
Um, I ended up getting a Hulk Hogan teddy bear. Oh, I remember the ones that talked. Uh, oh, no, no, this no, wasn't a talk. It was no, like a mind. big, like, square about. one. So, yeah. yeah, he was the one who protected me at night from the dark. That's good. Hulk Hogan, yeah. Why he did they, why did they care if you slept in the dark? I don't know. They just <laughs> <laughs> slept alone, slept in the dark. I was I was a scared kid, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so. my, my son, my oldest son is scared of the dark. He doesn't like the dark either. I still don't like the dark. I had a, it, It's crazy because it sounds weird, but... Uh, I you had you travel to hotels all the time. No, the I'm okay with curtains. that. Yeah, okay. No, I'm good with that. But I mean, as long as I know where the exit is, that's my biggest thing. Because one time I woke up, I was at a cottage. Why would you not know where cottage. the exit would be? So I was at a cottage. <laughs> I was sleeping in the basement in a room, and there was like pitch black. And I woke up like maybe half asleep, and I couldn't find the exit of the door. Like I was trapped. I, there was no light. It was the middle of the night. Yeah, but that was scary. And I was knocking things down. <laughs> and so now whenever I'm sleeping in somewhere new, I always like say I'm in a hotel, and I'll make sure I'll shut the door so it's super dark, but at least I know the light, so I can at least follow the light to the bathroom. Have you ever stayed in the hotels that have those motion sensor lights? No. Oh, those are awesome. Waking up in the middle of the night, zombie walking, and it, I don't know if I'd like it. No, it's, it's you get out of bed, and then a motion light goes up. These like on. tiny, these small lights. They don't light much. They're like oh, a little night light, like, oh, and they, nice. they sense your movement, and they they may they light up Glory's the room a little not bit. Putting me into these five star hotels. Yeah, I guess not. Dang. Start working for TSN. Yeah, there we go with the big shooters. <laughs> uh, so we've got that uh, that fight scheduled for two thirty three. Dillashaw versus Cejudo. I think it's an utterly pointless fight, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm excited to watch it. It's going to be a great oh, fight. For sure. Yeah. I'm not taking anything away from the competitors. I just don't see how it makes any sense to continue the flyweight division if you're getting rid of it. Like, why? Why have another title fight? But uh, you guys have heard that opinion from me. Uh, I guess <laughs> enough, probably at this point. That was now a that good 40 rant. minutes into the show. That's good. Nice rant. Uh, Whitaker versus Gastelum, UFC 234. Uh, that's very exciting. Um, Dana White recently actually said that he would consider doing Whitaker versus Adesanya in a, like a stadium. Yeah, like similar to home he versus Rousey out, in I know Australia. Adesanya said it, but uh, I don't know. I think I said it last show. I think the only logical fight for Adesanya to jump that quick is Whitaker. I mean, or Gastelum. Th- those yeah, are the two, two that he matches up, up well up, against. Yeah. Other but, than yeah. those two guys, I don't yeah, know. Like Jacare, might beat him alive. He might be able to beat Weidman. A Romero. I know they're Romero looking for Romero. Uh, they're looking for an opponent for him. Yeah, for January. First fight on the ESPN Plus card. Yeah. Anderson Silva's been rumored. Of, that's yeah, who at least yeah. Romero wants to fight. But And this will yeah. be in the light heavyweight division or middleweight? No, middleweight. Because I heard after his last one that uh, Dana was forcing him up. Yeah, I think he should be fighting it at light heavyweight. And I think it's actually a pretty clear path to the title at light heavyweight. Yeah. Like if he goes in and beats Anthony Smith or something, you know, like you're the number but one I contender just think now. height is an issue for the light heavyweight division. It seems like the light heavyweights and the top of the division are tall. Like look at the oh, size Oh, even Anthony of, Smith moving up from middleweight. He's like 6'4". Yeah, they're tall. And I mean, I think that's an issue for Romero because he's thick and stocky. But when you fight those super tall guys like the John Jones, you Gustafson, know, the Gustafson, yeah. super tall, those guys are what six five? Yeah, super, they're, they're big guys, they're monsters. And I mean, Romero's got to get inside, and I think it's just tough. Like once you get up that, that's the big challenge of going up and weight. Sometimes dealing with that big height. Yeah, like if I'm Romero, my mindset is I need to win a title. Whatever the fastest way to win a title is, even yeah. if he has to sit around and wait for a title shot, like Romero has had a lot of bad luck. I mean, some of it is his own creation, like missing weight, for example. Yeah, but the second time was took the fight on last minute notice, right? Um, no, I don't think so. No, I, thought... I don't think so. That that was a no. I think that fight was pretty well promoted. Okay, for Whitaker versus uh, Romero, the one in Chicago. But I thought he won that fight like pretty clearly, and they gave the judges gave it to Whitaker. So yeah. he got a bad break there, um, and then the the first time he fought for the title against Whitaker, he lost. Um, and then he fought Rockhold for the interim title and won, 
but missed weight and didn't get the interim title. So like the, yeah. this title just keeps eluding him, and he's getting, not getting any younger. Yeah, and I think he, even this Gaslam fight I, um, with uh, Whitaker, I think Gaslam wins. Yeah, it's gonna be a, that'll be a fun fight. That's an yeah. interesting one because they're both basically welterweight sized guys yeah. that have done really well at middleweight. I, I question Whitaker's chin. I don't know how much shots he can take. I think Gaslam's ability to come in and crack. Yeah, you I just think never Gaslam know. gets him. But Whitaker's—I mean, he got dropped against Romero, so maybe. twice didn't he? Didn't yeah, he get I dropped think so. twice? I think. Yeah, I always—I always hate saying that because sometimes I forget. Like I—I I, I recently said that. Uh, Back before Khabib faced Connor, that Michael Johnson dropped Khabib, and that never happened. Like yeah. I just in my mind, it seemed like it was some. Like I yeah. remember watching the fight, and it, for whatever reason, I know for sure he got dropped. I don't know once or twice, but uh, yeah, yeah, Whitaker got dropped. Yeah. Um. So that's uh, that's an interesting fight. I mean, it's one that's been in the works for a while. They're they're currently the uh, Ultimate Fighter coaches yeah. with your guy, the Crochet Boss. Yeah. When's uh, his semi fight? Uh, semi final fight it should be coming up this week or the next week? Because last I'm week was a week off, was right? This week. Well, I think it was a week off. No, last week. Last week was um, uh, what's the big dude's name? The the big Cuban guy's name. I can't remember. I just really watch it. And then there was the guy who green. got gassed in workouts. Remember, I talked about that guy. Yeah. And he's he just won his second fight. The guy who like couldn't get through the so the, he's going to the final the workouts. Now? Yeah. The guy so who couldn't get through workouts fight, in the beginning. It's on Wednesdays, right? Yeah. Um. So it's tonight. I, I'm. He's probably fighting tonight. Then. No, I think it's a. I think it's a women's fight tonight. Okay. If I recall. Because I think they do men's, oh, they yes, do alternating okay. weeks. So then the following w- week, yeah, next be, week will or, be him. Should be the Murray screen. Yeah, yeah. So that's I've been of, waiting for it because that's really a wait. Although like, it might be this fast. week because they might do two fights, two fights on one episode. On one episode, right? Because the finale is the thirtieth, I think, which and is coming up soon. That's in like two weeks. <laughs> yeah. So maybe. So yeah. Yeah. It's two weekends from now. Yeah. So yeah. So I guess that would mean there's only the two episodes left. And then. The, Green. Yeah, the so they might do one. so they might do two on one. They're gonna have to do two on one show. Yeah. So you think it's tonight? It's either gonna be tonight or next week. I don't know. Okay. I'll let you know. All right. I have a screener. Okay. So cool. um what else do we have? So we did uh we did our picks last week. I don't remember I who lost. your pick you was. Won. Yeah. I picked Raquel Pennington. It was so a terrible I got, pick. Uh, with one second left. Thank you, Rodriguez. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. You would have, you would have, you were a second away from uh, from losing, but now you're uh, you're at eighty six twenty five or eighty six seventy five, and I'm at one twenty seven. Uh, you're still doing well. Yeah, have you had a chance to look at the ones from this week for Argentina? Um, right away when I saw it, and I just I wanted to see the odds on it. But uh, one of my picks for sure is going to be Lamas beating Elkins. I think he's going to get a finish there. So you might go two. Uh, I think I might do two. Um, I like Lamas for sure. Um, and let's go. I don't. See, at a minus two hundred, I'm not making much there. No, you'll get you're, you'll make uh, five, whatever yeah. we're calling it, five units um, or five do- five dollars or whatever. Hmm, this is interesting. Do you want me to make my pick? Yeah, go for your pick. All right, so I'm gonna go with uh, Ian Heinish at plus one sixty. He's against Mutanch Cesar Fajeja. Um, Fajeja has a lot of issues with guys that put a lot of pressure on him, and this guy Heinish, from watching him on on the Contender series, is a real bulldog. Like he's a guy. That um, he's been in a training camp because he's been expecting to get a fight, and then got this shot, this one on short notice. But he's he's still been training like as if he's in a fight camp. This guy's just a he he's a grinder. He's a guy that um, is able to win on the you know he's good on the feet, he's good on the ground, um, and as long as he can stave off any sort of submissions from Fajeja, I think he should be able to win this fight at a plus one sixty as a plus one sixty underdog. Um, so that's who I'm going to go with. I, I, I like Ian Heinish, even though Fajeja has looked pretty good recently. Uh, he's the guy I'm going with. Hmm. Okay. Um, 
I don't know. I'm not. I also, I'm not I also, loving any I also really matchup. like Cynthia Calvillo, but uh, I know that's. I, I, I think I, I like Heinish towards. a little bit more. And uh, Calvillo's an underdog. Yeah, in that Calvillo. Fight too. I might. I might change my pick. Actually, are you? I'm going to change it. Okay. Might nice. end up regretting it. I'm going to go with Cynthia Calvillo. But Telio just lost to um, what's her name? I interviewed her backstage uh, afterwards. Uh, Aldrich. Okay. And Who's Aldrich. And I think Calvillo is a better fighter right? than Aldrich. Aldrich fighting Paige Van Zandt on that New York one, right? Or on that ESPN one? I uh, know. That's uh, Ostovich. Ostovich. Okay. Yeah. Mixing them up. I saw Aldrich backstage, and uh, she when she was coming to do interviews with us, she ran into uh, Chris Pratt in the hallway and like totally geeked out. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> uh, what What's your thoughts on uh, Prezeris? Yeah, that's an interesting one, too. That's but the one I'm leaning towards now based the, on his experience. And the other guy's a striker. No, Fabinski's uh, actually a pretty decent wrestler. Like Fabinski's a solid grappler. He's got who did he just beat? He 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 was an underdog in his last fight, and he uh, used some good grappling, if I recall. Uh, Emil Meek. Yes, yeah, he was against Emil Meek, and he was able nice. to just utilize grappling to take him down. Now he won't be able to do that against Prezerish. Yeah, but uh, Prezerish is also up a weight class again. He's he's at one seventy. He's he's been forced to move up. He misses weight so many times. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't go with that one. I mean, you feel free to, it's but Fabinski's Fabinski yeah. pretty good. Ooh. I don't know. Maybe I'll just uh, stick with my one then. All right. I might, might take it easy and uh, try to gain some All right. There you go. I'm Get not some loving momentum. any of the other ones. I'm leaning towards, I like the underdog. Magni's not bad to pick. I think Bandanai is a relatively safe pick if you want to take my advice, but uh, that's up to you. Yeah. I'm going to keep it. I'll just keep it okay. as a single. Let's All right, Lamas. If I can get by finish, I would take that for better odds. I would like Lamas by finish. Mm-hmm. I but, think Magny's uh, actually got some de- some decent value on him as well. Yeah, no, I, that's why I like him at the plus uh, two hundred and forty. He's yeah. long. He's rangy. He just basically needs to avoid the knockout. I think. I think that if he is able to to drag the fight into like the third fourth round, yeah, he's got that's three where inch reach success. advantage. I think his reach. Yeah. No, sorry, he has a seven inch seven, reach. Yeah, advantage. he's got a reach advantage almost against almost anybody in that division. Yeah. So I mean, that could give some issues. But uh, no, I'm just going to keep it a single. Um, if I'm going to catch you, it's got to be playing a little safe here. Yeah, this is this is actually a really solid card. Like just in terms of matchups, the a lot of the fights are close. Like I mean, Marlon Vera is a pretty big favorite, but Kennedy is always in fights. Uh, Pantoja against uh, Sasaki, a flyweight fight that really has no meaning, but basically whoever it's like a loser leaves town match pretty much. But uh, Pantoja is just better at at what Sasaki is good at, which is mostly grappling. But if it stays on the feet, Sasaki's got a shot. Um, and then uh, there are a lot of people that I think won on the uh, the Brazilian Contender Series that I haven't had a chance to watch yet. But it's I'm going to go back and watch some some tape on some of these people because uh, I need to learn about. Anderson Dos Santos. That's a hybrid of uh, of two of the best Brazilians ever, of Anderson Silva and Junior Dos Santos. If he can fight like both those guys combined, <laughs> there you go. Nadner and Manny's and in trouble. He can become Anderson Dos Santos. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I I don't know much about a lot of the earlier guys. Yeah. So uh, that's that's what we've got coming up. Um, there's, I mean, there are a ton of fight cards coming up. So there's fight cards basically every week from now until the the only off week for the rest of the year is December twenty second. And then it goes. Then in. you got two thirty-two on the 29th, Then two weekends off, and then thirteen straight weeks after that. Boom. So, yeah, yeah. UFC are not taking a whole lot of uh, time off uh, at any given time. Those the people that work for the UFC behind the scenes are like, I don't know how they do it. Yeah. It's crazy. Like their job is basically you're in a new city every week, doing the you know 
working hard to make sure everything falls have, into place. Bikes are falling teams, off the right? car. They have like a Europe team and a North American team. They do, yeah. But I'm talking about just like like the like the body, the people that do like security and stuff. Like their lives must be crazy. Yeah. But uh, or the amount of people involved, even with a glory event, like for me, it's crazy to see all the the parts involved. But now, when you look at something like the UFC. Oh, oh man, man, I would yeah. love to see it. It's a well-oiled machine. Yeah. It's just like week after week after week after week. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, so, uh, what's going on with Glory? You've got a you've got an event in two weeks. Uh, that we got a year end now. Um, we're going December eighth is our year end show. Oh, so, cool. So the same night as the UFC. The Toronto. UFC, yeah. So I, I'll miss that uh, fight week. And where's that? UFC. That's in like Amsterdam or something. Amsterdam. It's okay, gonna be in Rotterdam. Guess. Yeah, that's when you go. think kickboxing year end of the year, big event. Year Who's on that card? Uh, we have a heavyweight uh, eight man tournament. So, yeah. Old school. You have to watch that in the back, in the backstage yeah. of uh old school eight man tournament. The, the top four uh, in the in the division there, and then they got four other kind of filler fights. I have four other sort of filler guys in there that are still good and dangerous, but eight heavyweight. man heavyweight tournament. <laughs> Everyone yeah. dangerous. Yeah, one of our guys is training with Mark Hunt right now in Thailand. Junior Tafa, uh, big big hitter, big Samoan hitter. So he he'll do some damage, but. You know, uh, Benjamin Attic boy. Oh yeah, he's good. Yeah, I like he's him. our number. He's our number one contender. I yeah. have him winning. He's long. I have him winning. Yeah. yeah, he's good, and he trains with Rico. Him and Rico are main training partners. So if he and wins, Rico's he, our champ. So if he wins, he's just gonna take the vacated title because Rico's gonna go do his acting. Uh, I don't know. Apparently, I don't. Th- it's, people don't understand how hard it is, man. It's gonna be really challenging on Rico. I mean, it's super. It's gonna be a lot of mental strength and energy. So. I mean, I don't know where that puts his kickboxing career or how long out he's going to have to be, but... Well, when they make the new Mummy movie with The Rock and Rico Verhoeven as the two stars, you'll, you'll be eating your words, Joe. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I mean, he's going to... I mean, he knows better than anyone it takes work. Acting, you, you can't just come into acting and just think it's easy and think you can do it. you got to put the reps in, just like fighting. You don't just come in and become a world champion. you got to put the reps in. Is he you related, to, go is he related to Paul Verhoeven? I don't know, maybe. Because <laughs> then he can get some roles. Yeah. You know who Paul, Ber- Paul Verhoeven is? No clue. Let's see some of the, the the films that he's directed. A lot of uh a lot of interesting uh a lot of interesting ones. Let's see filmography here as a director. So he did uh Showgirls is one that you probably are familiar with. Uh Basic Instinct, okay. uh Total Recall, um Hollow Man, one of the worst movies ever. Um <laughs> I mean so Showgirls according to uh you know general consensus. Um Robocop. So okay. we're talking good movies here. Yeah, decent. Paul Verhoeven, of also of uh, the Netherlands, the Dutchman. Yeah. So yeah. if you know if he's related to Paul Verhoeven, maybe he can just he's get you know some some nepotism, get some good roles alongside yeah. Sharon Stone. There you go. Get I don't some... know. We'll see. I mean, we'll see if he's got the potential. It's going to be tough. I hope he takes it seriously, and he has. He's done some voiceovers. He's done some stuff. So well, yeah, I mean, your mindset is probably the same as his mindset, which is if you work hard enough at anything, oh, you absolutely, put in the work. He is, and, and he's whatever. grinding. He's trying it. He's doing his stuff outside the sport. It's just there's no real contenders for him in the sport. That's yeah, he's, a, that's he's run, he's run through a lot of yeah. He's run through everyone. We can't find him a contender. That's our biggest issue right now. And he, I guess he doesn't want to go to the UFC or anything like that. Do I, mean, I know he? I don't recommend about it. it, yeah. it the ground is a totally different game, man. But at heavyweight, it's not as much of a concern. Yeah, but still, look at the the. He'll learn quick, but I think it's too late for him now. I think for him, it's best to be the, um, you know, the star of kickboxing rather than just a, another fish in the pond. You know. Yeah. So I think I like, is Gokan Saki fighting again soon? I feel I like he know. is. But like, see how like that heat dies quickly, you know? Someone yeah, like, yeah, he gets knocked out once. One people, time, people are like, people oh, is he fighting? about him already, you know? When before, we, that's all we couldn't stop talking about. Yeah, like, let's there's, see. there's so many people 
in MMA now that life goes on. Yeah, let's see. It's uh, yeah. I don't think he's got anything coming up. No, the heat, you know, dies quick, man. If, with one loss, you're only uh, as good as true. your last fight. It's all it takes. Um, all right, so uh, let's go to our first interview. Um, as we mentioned, the UFC is in Argentina this week, and uh, who better to talk to than the uh, the best Argentinian fighter in UFC history? who's headlining the card. He was supposed to headline in Chile, but got injured. But now he gets to headline in his backyard. And uh, that's Santiago Ponzinibbio, knockout artist, always fun to watch. And he joins us now on the TSN MMA show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to introduce this week's guest. All right, the UFC heads to Buenos Aires, Argentina. And who better to headline the card than Santiago Ponzinibbio, Argentina's own. So, Santiago, what does it mean to you to fight in Argentina? This is a long time coming, great sports uh, country. And, um... You you get the headline the first event there. Wow, man! man this you know, this is a dream. It's a dream for me, you know. And brother, I really excited. I I don't have words for explain what is this moment for me in my life. But this is amazing, brother. It's amazing for the sport get up a lot in my country. You know, the old people uh, recognizing me. You know. Um, it's a really good energy. The people love the sport. A lot of people is training. Food. Man, this event makes a, a really big difference in the Argentina. After this event, I think it's a, the sport is get up more and more. But, you know, it's, it's amazing, bro. It's amazing. The people recognize me in the street. All people know who is the NNA, who is the UFC. I have the opportunity to make the main events. The main event for the best company in the world with a tough guy, you know, uh, the best fighters in the 170 pounds in the world too, you know. I think this is a, a really good opportunity for me. It's a, I, I told it's a dream for me. I'm really excited about this everything. I'm, I'm ready, brother. I am ready for make history in my country for this. I might give this victory for my people, you know. I'm really really excited for everything. Now, a lot of people in North America don't realize this, but Brazil and Argentina have a bit of a rivalry, and there's a lot of fighters from Brazil on the card. Are the fans going to be able, be cheering for them or booing them? <laughs> this is funny. You know, it's a big rivalry about the soccer. The MMA here is a new sport. It's, I think I think it's a lot of people The Brazil maybe feel a lot of oppression about the, the rivalry in the soccer, but, you know... Uh, I don't know what is the path for the head of the people, you know. Brazil and Argentina is a really similar country, you know. Maybe no, maybe the people give you your energy for the Brazilian people. So I don't know, you know. Uh, uh, in my case, it's different for the people in Brazil. Love me, I, I live in Brazil, I represent, represent Brazil too. But for the other guys, uh, it's really the rivalry for the soccer team is really... I don't know in the MMA what is the, the past. This Saturday we can see what is the is the rivalry is only for the soccer or is it for MMA too, you know? <laughs> I guess we will see. That'll be interesting to, to see whether Americans are cheered for against Brazilians. That will be fun to see. But you're the winner of eight of nine fights. I mean, you're on a roll. A lot of your finishes are first-round finishes. You're, you're one of the hardest hitters at welterweight, possibly the hardest hitter at welterweight. But you're only ranked 10th. Is that because you're having a lot of difficulty getting people ranked ahead of you to fight you? Yes. Yes. It's not easy. It's not easy. But, you know, the ranks not make 
really sense, you know. I beat the number eight in the world in 82 seconds, a beautiful knockout. After that, you know, told me, give me a top five, give me Perry. He come in the really good victory. If I stop it here, I beat a good name, Sakam, you know, Dean Saleh, Shami Strikam, tough guy, a lot of knockouts in the first round. You know, I, I make my work, you know, I think it's the, the, the ranking is not made for. I think I deserve to say maybe number six in the ranking. No number 10, but you know, I don't put the focus in that. Um, I'm ready now for Magni. I think Magni is the top, top guy, you know, maybe the best, uh, the top guy in the, in the 170 pounds in the world. I'm ready for him. I am ready for beat him. If I prove to the world, for prove to the UCC, I am ready for the next champion in the world, you know. In 2019, I fight for the title shot for sure. Yeah, I take this belt for Argentina, for my people. You fought three times last year. You won all three fights. This year, you have yet to fight. This is going to be your first fight of the year. Has it been frustrating to have to sit out um, for much of this year due to injuries? Yes, I, I can fight with this year and I have an injury, you know. And after that, staying in the plane, the USA, the fight in Argentina. And I wait in the seventh. But this is good, man. For I, my other years, I come and fight, uh, fight soon, you know. Three fights of the year. I felt really soon. This year, I take more rest for my body, more rest for my mind. And this is really good, you know. I think this opportunity making the in the correct moment, you know, in the third moment in my life, I am really, I say, 100% really healthy, physical, mental, and really exciting. I am hungry. I am hungry the victory, you know. Uh, a few months, you know, fight. This is, you know, this is, Everything, everything passed for one race, you know. I'm, this is my moment now. Another uh, Argentinian on the card uh, is Guido Canetti. He goes on social media a lot and says he is the only uniquely Argentinian fighter in, in the UFC. Uh, kind of saying that because you haven't lived in Argentina and you've been you know, moving to Brazil, to the U.S., that he's the only real Argentinian uh, in yeah. the UFC. Do you, when you hear that, what, how, does that you know, how does that make you feel? Now, he need attention, maybe he called me for, 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 for take attention. That's it, you know. I think this is uh, uh, not smart, you know, for I think we need help to get up the sports in, in the country. It, it, this is not good for this. For, but, you know, and now I have other guy in the, in the, in the, in the UFC, Gladiano Stelopoulos, he is in the car. Um, and he have other mentality, you know. He is a more smart guy. I think Canetti, you know, is no. I I don't know. I don't put focus in this in this in this class of people, you know. If you put, if I if I know Argentina, or I go to play in another place, uh, Messi is no Argentina for work, work in Spain. Ginobili is no Argentina for play basketball in America, and Maradona is no Argentina for play soccer in. In a row, you know, this does not make sense. I, I accompany the evolution of the sports. I always looking for improve myself every day. This is my goal. Every day is better. Yes, I'm ready for the, the best. This is my difference in my knee, in the heel. Heel, maybe one, one, five, maybe lost three. You know, he no can level. I say for five for the best fighters in the world. For this reason, I need to go to the other country for attain the best level in the world. You know, this is what I need to do for. For this is a new sport. It's just only 25 years. This for the future every day. The evolution of this sport is really big, and you need to stay in the best place in the world for the stay in the best level. You know, this is what I need to do. 
this is my goal. All right, Santiago, well, best of luck this weekend. Headlining uh, the card in Buenos Aires against a very tough opponent, Neil Magny, one of the longest guys in the division, very, very uh, uh, complete fighter, and uh, we look forward to seeing uh, how that goes for you. Okay, Chad, thank you so much for the interview. All right, that was Santiago Ponzinibbio. Always good hearing from him. Um, very, very fun fighter to watch, uh, taking on Neil Magny in the main event. Tough fight for him. Yeah, Magny's And tough, tough fight for Magny. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, both tough yeah. fight. But, yeah, Magny's, Magny's awkward and long and tough. I mean, I think um, outside of losing, was it to uh, Dos Anjos? Like, he's tough. Yeah. I mean, you just have to get in there and beat that reach, which is not going to be easy for anyone. He's one of those guys that really has overachieved in the sport. I remember he was on The Ultimate Fighter. I don't think people thought too much of him, and then he came in and just started beating everybody. Yeah. Like, like, who did he... Uh... I mean, after his loss to Dos Anjos, which um, Dos Anjos just came in and wrecked him, but that's a different beast. But yeah. he beat Carlos Condit after that. He started out, he was 1-2, and two, and then he railed off seven wins in a row. So and... since since going 1-2, and two, he's... 10, 13, 13 and 3. look at the names, too. That yeah, you gotta he's look beating at the good guys. He's beating Lombard, beating Gastelum. Yeah. I beat Hyung Yu Lim, who's a good fighter. But even his losses, Maya, you know, Dos Anjos and Larkin, all yeah. legit losses. And another one to Sergio Moraes, who's one of the best grapplers in the UFC. Yeah, that's, that's also 2013, yeah. though, right? Yeah, and the loss to Seth Pachinski, I mean, that's not a great loss, but you're, you're entitled to one bad loss every now and then. And that was really early in his career as well. Magny's got a good shot in this one. Yeah, I agree. I know he's... Pretty big underdog at, you know, plus two forty. But man. yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think that uh, he's he's someone to look at. Um, all right. Also on the card, as I mentioned, Cynthia Calvillo uh, was uh, suspended last year for uh, being, you know, traces of marijuana metabolites. Uh, she had fought, I think, four times last year and has not fought once this year. So she's making her return to the UFC. And uh, she will do that, taking on Pollyanna Batelio, a Brazilian uh, fighter who has a lot of hype behind her. She's coming off of a loss to J.J. Aldrich. And uh, I think Cynthia Calvillo's uh, got a, a pretty uh, tough task ahead of her, but I think it's one that she is going to be able to uh, to conquer. Uh, she's somebody who looked really great last year, was probably one of the, in, you know, in contention for fighter of the year before she lost at the end of the year. Um, and she joins us now on the TSN MMA show. All right, I'm now joined by Cynthia Calvillo fighting Pollyanna Botelho on the main card of UFC Fight Night in Argentina. Uh, it's been an interesting year for you. I mean, you've been suspended for a lot of it. You fought five times in 2017. Obviously, the parallels can't be drawn because of how different it's been. But in terms of how you've been living your life, what's what's changed? Um, not much. I mean, I'm still training. Obviously, uh, uh, I just... I've just been more mature and, and taking my time and, and training, and, and it's just helped me out. Uh, last year, I didn't really get a chance to let anything settle in, really, just because I was taking fight for fight. Um, so this time around, you know, I just I, I feel like I've, I've learned a lot. I mean, as far as the game, you know, I'm not a newbie in the UFC. If, I mean, I don't feel like it anymore. So um, that's basically a lot of it that's changed. I just I feel like I'm more physically and mentally prepared for, uh, for battles. Earlier in the year, were you watching strawweight fights and being angry that you couldn't be out there? Well, I mean, I was just so much angry. I was a little bit jealous. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I kept watching. I watch all the fights, you know, so I, I love it. I, I love this sport, so I pay attention to every single fight. Has anybody come up at strawweight where you're watching and you're like, I could beat her. I want a, I want a chance to fight her next year. Dude, no, I, w- I want to fight every single strawweight. You know, I want to be the best. I want to be considered one of, you know, the best in the world. So in order to do that, I, I, you know, I... I feel like every girl that I look at, I look at it as a challenge, you know, stylistically. I love it, so 
uh, I got my eyes on all of them. How much momentum do you feel like you might have lost because of the suspension? I mean, like I mentioned, you fought so many times last year. Heading into UFC 219 before uh, the loss to Esparza, a lot of people said you, you could have been the fighter of the year. And I, I think it was pretty fair to say that you were the newcomer of the year last year, especially in that division. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, I feel like I can definitely, you know, you know, take off, get, you know, just where I left off. I don't feel like I lost too much of it. I mean, yeah, I got taken out of the rankings, but there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, I'm going to come back and, you know, run through, get another, go through another terror. Um, you know, I love doing this. So it's like as soon as I'm done with this one and I'm good and healthy, you know, on to the next one. Let's keep the show going. I mean, there's a card in California early next year. I know it's not Northern California, but is that something that interests you, UFC 233? Yes, yes, 100%. I mean, I know that the card's already getting filled up pretty good. So um, hoping, cross fingers crossed, that, you know, I can get on that. If not, you know, I'm open to, to wherever and, you know, anywhere the UFC wants me to fight. You know, I've never said no to any fight. Uh, you're training with Justin Buckles. I, I heard an interview with James Lynch that you did um, for this particular fight and also balancing time with uh, Team Alpha Male. Is is that working? I mean, I know that there's a little bit of resentment on Justin's end, having spoken to him about what happened with him at Alpha Male. Yeah, I mean, we we make it work. Luckily, you know, we we made this hack. You know, Justin Buckles has been my coach from the beginning, and and so is my coach Fabio Sato. So, you know, there's there's no fighter that I know. I know a lot of fighters. There's no gym that has everything complete there. You know, so many fighters have different coaches. They venture off. Um, so it's not any different than that. Yeah, I don't have everything all in one gym, which is fine, whatever. Um, but it works out for me. You know, I get to train with my teammates and my team, and then I get to work, you know, one-on-ones and, and get a lot of work. Actually, Justin Buckle has been able to, because he's not a part of the team, he's been able to actually uh, focus more on me. So um, it's been going great. I feel amazing. I feel like this is the best that I've ever been. I know Justin seems like he's in a good place. He's doing a lot of private coaching, like you mentioned. So um are you learning, you know, different things from Alpha Male than you are with him that that might, uh, I guess, conflict with one another? No, not at all. I mean, the roots are there. You know, he's a part of the team for many, many years. I don't think anything's going to, you know, change too much different from, you know, the coaching staff. It was all the same guys training, so it it, it, it works perfect for me. I, I mean, every everything's going along great. There's no major changes other than. You know, I do get, I guess I feel like a little bit more selfish, but my coaches are able to spend a little bit more time on me. What are your thoughts on how all of that played out with Justin? I guess, I don't know if he was let go from the team or what it is, or if it was, a, you know, an amicable decision, but it seems like uh, he wasn't really thrilled that he was no longer the head coach of the team and was replaced, I guess, by um, a collective of coaches, so to speak. Um. Well, it, it wasn't... Uh... Yeah, I mean, it was unfortunate. I, I support him. I do believe he's one of the best coaches in the world. I mean, the, the coaches that we have there, too, are very, very good coaches as well. Um, not taking anything away from them. Um, but I do have, you know, my, my connection with, with Justin Buckles is just like, uh, I don't know, I, it, he's just a perfect coach for me. And um, he's just super passionate. I'm very passionate. And, um, you know, it, it is it is what it is, and um, I'm going to support him 100%. You know, he's got my back. I got his back. You know, I got my team's back. So, um, luckily, everybody's been good about it. Nobody's putting me in a weird position. So, uh, you know, we make it work. You know, we're all adults here, so we got to learn how to how to move on, you know. So, so everything's going good. It's already been a long time. It's already been close to a year. Um, so, everything's going good. 
What's the latest with Cody Garbrandt? I haven't heard his name much um, in terms of upcoming fights. Is he in the gym? Is he is he back at one hundred percent? Um. Yeah, I'm not too sure what's going on with him. I know he's been spending a lot of time outside the gym with his family and other things that are going on. Um, but uh, I'm not sure too much what he's doing. Uh, he goes into the gym here and there, but uh, since the gym that we have now is so huge, so many classes, like like as some of now nowadays, some of us barely see each other in the gym. So, but as before. It was such a smaller gym that we had, and so we had no choice. But you know, we were all practicing and training together. So, uh, but I know he's he's definitely ready to you know come back sometime soon and and get back and and get that you know get back in the winning circle and make his way back up to that title. I know MMA is an individual sport, but uh, you've got a lot of Team Alpha Male teammates on this card. I know Darren Elkins is uh, is on the card. I know Nad Naramani's been training out there, as, as I had heard in your in your interview with James, as I uh, you know that I heard previously. Do you guys do anything as a team during fight week, or does it? Do you just focus on you? Uh, no, we do. Uh, we see each other. You know, we're in the same workout rooms. We're still going to be in the same corner. Um, you know, like I said, we're all adults here, so we're all, we all get along. Uh, I love my team, and I know they care about me a ton too. So, you know, it's it's not about them; it's about the fighters. So, we we we're having a great time out here. What's your corner going to look like uh, for this particular fight? Uh, for this fight, it's it's going to be same, my same corners, Justin Buckles and uh, Fabio Prado. So it's just two in the corner? Um, yeah, just two in the corner. All right. And you, you train at Alpha Male. It's uh, a camp that's obviously dedicated to the smaller fighters for the most part uh, in uh, in the UFC. There's been news this week that the flyweight division might be dissolved fairly soon, the men's flyweight division, I, I should uh, clarify. What what do you think of what's going on with that division? Uh, given that that you do tend to train with with fighters in the smaller weight classes. Honestly, it's very unfortunate. You know, if that does happen, um, um, it, it it really sucks. Honestly, I feel like it's one of the most talented divisions. You know, around you know they're very super technical. You get I'm not sure why the you know the fans um, you know. I mean, at least not the real fans. They, they they don't really give too much attention or credit to these fight to these fighters. I think they're incredible fighters. Hopefully, something happens, you know, where they can still be able to perform at, at the highest levels. I do got a lot of bunch of teammates that you know do train us by way. Some of them in the UFC, some who are about to you know reach and break through to to you know high levels, like, like big organizations. I know there's talks about one of the um, you know risens out there, so. We'll see what happens, but yeah, I'm I'm a little sad for them. I I hope you know something happens and you know that that they're still able to hopefully make a career out of fighting. You know, the thing that drives me crazy about it is the reason why I feel like the division didn't succeed as well as it could have is that it was so competitive with everybody below Demetrius Johnson that all the contenders were killing each other off. Everybody was beating everybody, and it was so hard to establish a true contender. Now with with um, Henry Cejudo as the champion. I feel like it really opened everything up. You, you would have seen a whole lot of new challengers, like guys like Alex Perez, who's coming up. Um, Joe Benavides has beaten Cejudo before. It, it it created so many matchups in my mind that would have been really cool to see, and I think that's the part that is the most uh, unfortunate about it. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, 
we'll see what happens. Did they announce it that they're 100 percent? No, no, nothing. Nothing is nothing's official. Nothing's official, and uh, they have basically. It, it does seem like uh, TJ is moving down to 125 to fight Henry for the, uh, what might be the last flyweight fight ever, a flyweight title fight uh, in January. But th- there is nothing official at this point. I mean, they are going to have that fight with, uh, you know, T.J. Dillashaw and uh, and uh, Henry Cejudo, which is supposed to be for the flyweight title. So, you know, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure what they're trying to do. Is is they're they just trying to let they maybe get a chance to be a six-time division champ? You know, what's they going to do moving forward? Uh, you know, I feel like there's going to be a lot of left unanswered, a, a lot of, you know, uh, left unanswered questions as far as, you know, who's going to be the best is the best in the world of the division. Obviously, Demetrius Johnson had one of the longest reigning, you, you know, as a champion. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I watched him too, going into the other tournament in 1FC. Um, I feel like he's definitely going to win that tournament. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, We'll see what happens, but I'm hoping that, you know, they keep the division alive because certain things are going around. I feel like sometimes they get a rumor and everybody just runs through it. But, I mean, I have seen that some of the flywoods have been let go. Um, you know, I think Shorty Cortez, um, my teammate Alex Sandoval. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see We'll see what happens. But I'm hoping that they can still save the division and, like I said, that uh, – that we can still make a lot of these exciting uh, fights and matchups in the future. All right, Cynthia. Well, it's uh, been great speaking with you. We're looking forward to the second chapter of your career. Um, now that you're back, you're going to be more active, and uh, it's always a pleasure watching you uh, in the cage, and I appreciate all of your time. Yeah, no, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. Sorry if it's a little choppy. It's pretty windy, and there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on over here, so I tried my best to uh, pay attention and stuff. I know it was a little... Uh, running on so but thank you so much for having me as always I really appreciate it thank you that's Cynthia Calvillo and you know we were talking about uh, the UFC in Denver uh, earlier and one of the guys that won at, uh, at the UFC in Denver was uh, Devontae Smith. Hey, did you see that Chad Skelly thing at the end of the fight? Did you get a chance to go back and watch that? No I didn't get you to see You should go back one. and watch it it's interesting so he, okay. he got he was put in a darts choke in the second round, and he kept moving, kept moving, kept moving, and the ref just stopped it. The ref called the called like, called the fight off, even though he was still with it. Okay, uh, he, he thought that uh, Skelly's arm had gone limp when he lifted it up, but okay. Skelly yeah, was clearly I saw, still, I saw still with it. I saw a clip of that on Instagram. Yeah, 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 but I never watched the whole yeah, thing. Kind of a weird stop. So that happened on the prelim card, and uh, so did the uh, knockout. Forty-six seconds into the first round, Devontae Smith. This guy's uh, going to be a problem at, at lightweight. A young guy, uh, very very heavy hitter uh, for the division, and he joins us now on the TSN MMA show. All right, I'm joined now by a man who knows he doesn't get paid by the minute to fight. This is King Cage, Devontae Smith. Huge win over the weekend over Julian Arosa. 46 seconds into the first round. Like I said, you don't get paid by the minute, so you've been doing really well your last three fights. First round finishes. Is that the way you like it? Yes, sir. Get in, get out. Absolutely. So you're back in Cleveland right now uh, relaxing. What do you plan on doing while you're here before, before you get started with your next camp? Uh, what I always do, just relax with the, uh, get some family time. Spend some time with my niece, my my baby brother, my mom, my sisters, and just enjoy the Cleveland environment before I got to go back out to uh, Colorado. Well, the good news is Cavs tickets are cheaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hey, <laughs> so everybody so, be making everybody be making jokes about that, but <laughs> it is what it is. Hey, you guys got your championship, right? Cleveland had you know you had Stepe. It's been a good couple of years for Cleveland. Right, right. But now we got me now. 
You got you. You got Baker Mayfield. You know, things are looking up. Oh, right, 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 right. I forgot about him, but we got him too. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, things are uh, things are on the right track for you right now. Uh, a big win over uh, Juicy J, Julian Arosa. I- I'm guessing going into this fight, you probably thought you had a pretty good advantage everywhere. Or, I mean, any fight I, uh, I apologize. Any fight I, I do, I feel like I have the advantage. I don't train. I don't do all of this rigorous, you know, lift, punch, kick, you know, to go into a fight and lose. You know, my mindset is to win and always win and be on top. So... Uh, when I got the offer to fight him, I looked him up, and I knew, I knew I could beat him. After you know, breaking breaking him down, I knew I could beat him, and I took the fight. You have one loss on your record. It's to John Gunther. This is a guy who was yeah, on man. this card with you. Did you see him at all during fight week? Yeah, of course. You know, we talked, we chopped. You know, uh, Gunther's a different type of dude, so he, he he's pretty cool. You know, so uh, he seemed like he was more so uh, in his own mentality, getting ready for the fight. But we did talk, you know, had a little laughs here and there, but, you know, none really more. He's another Ohio guy, but I'm guessing you've never cut the hair of alpacas like he does. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, as I said, Gunther, he's he's a different dude, so. Yeah, definitely a different type of guy. So you called out Ross Pearson after the fight. He goes on Twitter and says he's he's good. Although I saw that he just got pulled from a fight recently, but uh, is that what you what you'd like to do next if he's healthy? Uh, if he's healthy and you know he's actually willing to go through with it, yes, I would. Uh, I would love to. I would love to uh, uh, get that work in with Ross Pearson. You know, and it, it had it was so exciting to see that. He actually acknowledged, like, let's dance. I'm like, cool. So we are already, you see, you see this, right? You see this, right? So he accepted, I accepted, let's get it on. Yeah, we guess, I guess we can take that as a verbal agreement, right? Because if they send the exactly. paperwork and he sends it back, then what? Right, let's go. I'm ready to put that work in. I'm ready to write back in. I had seen that you said after the fight that a lot of people were ducking you. You were trying to get fights for a while. Uh, what's the situation there? What, tell, me, tell me about that process. Um, well, I, I've had a lot of top ranked guys that um I was offered and again, you know, I looked at their videos, I broke them down, uh, me and my coaching staff and uh we said we could I we could we said I could beat them. I said I could beat them and or beat them and a lot of them just declined. A lot of times I was just really just waiting for them to say yes. And it kept declining, 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 and it got to the point where you know, my coach was like, if it was like the week before uh, fight week, that was up, bro. Then my coach was like, uh, if we don't get a fight this Tuesday, we're just going to scratch it, scratch Denver and, you know, look look towards something else. And that's when my manager called me and offered me uh, Juicy J's. And I found out that uh, we were a part of the same management. I felt a little weird, you know, because I didn't want to put my manager in that type of predicament, but Juicy J was the only person to to accept the fight, so much respect to him. And, uh, shoot, that's how we got to where we are right now. Well, at least Jason House knew he was going to get a win, regardless of who won, right? (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) Right, yeah. You're out at Factory X. Factory X is killing it right now. I mean, basically everybody who's coming out of the camp recently has been getting wins, and I know Ian Heinish is fighting this weekend, another uh, Dana White Contender Series uh, alum. What's... You know, Mark Montoya doing right that's getting everybody to get such a such a good rhythm. Um, I don't know. Tell the truth, I really think it's, it's him being him. You know, because the thing about and I think about stuff like this and I think it's funny, but um, 
he's like the first coach I've ever been with, you know, that he has these speeches, you know, and they can motivate you, you know. And it's like he can tell where, let's say, one day I went to practice, I felt like everybody's energy was cool. But Mark, didn't. he didn't feel like everybody's energy was cool. And he'll let you know. He's very blunt and straightforward, which is cool. I love that because I don't like when people beat around the bush. But he, he'll tell you, like, the energy is not good. I don't know, you know, what was going on with you guys, but we need to pick it up. You know, and I thought the energy was cool. But when I came in for the second practice, you know, everybody, you know, pretty much from the speech, what he said earlier, everybody picked the energy up, and I actually could tell the difference. So he's just an amazing coach because, you know, I, I like I said, I thought everybody had good energy, but the second class, that's when we were at the energy levels that he wanted, and I've seen the difference, you know. So he's just been, been, been and being a great coach all around and uh, staying on everybody. All right, and finally, the UFC looks like they're getting rid of the flyweight division. Nothing's been officially announced yet, but what are your thoughts on that? What do you think of flyweights, and uh, and why do you think that they've decided to do this? Truthfully, I do not know why they decided to do it, do it at all because it's kind of confusion how they're they're cutting it, but then they get TJ versus uh, Cejudo, so maybe they're just going out with a bang. But you know, I just manifest the best for everybody. You know, it's a little it's a little weird to a certain extent because I got a couple of 125er friends. You know, they see me, they they see a dream uh, coming to reality. You know, they start saying to themselves, I can really do this. And then the UFC is cutting cutting off all the flyweights. So I manifest the best for everyone uh, at 125 and, you know, that they find them a new home and, you know, make great things come their way. All right, Devontae. Well, I love your positivity. I love watching you in the cage, and we're looking forward to seeing more great things from you uh, representing Cleveland and, um, you know, getting it done within the first round. Thank you. I appreciate you uh, for having me on. That was Devontae Smith, a uh, very, very fun guy representing Cleveland. He's, uh, he's a lot of fun, good charisma, so if he can get some wins under his belt, who knows how, uh, how far this guy can go in the sports. Guy's the limit. Uh, UFC Fight Night in Argentina this Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern on TSN 5. Make sure you check that out. Uh, prelims, as always, are on, uh, not as always, but uh, most, in most cases for these Fight Night cards are on uh, Fight Network as well as Fight Pass. Uh, you can check out Joseph Valtellini on YouTube. Latest video on escaping the clinch. Yeah, this is something that probably a lot of people could could learn pretty easily, right? I do, and I, I don't think a lot of people value it enough, to be honest with you. they uh, Everything in martial arts to people is strike, strike, strike. But defense is very important. And what if someone grabs you? You know, even though you're, I'm a good boxer, if someone grabs me, whether I'm on the street or in a kickboxing fight, i got to know how to get out to strike again. So... It's a uh, it's a learning thing that people need to put themselves. It's not as fun to learn escaping the clinch, but you got to get out. What was it like having Chad uh, in? That's been good. Week. He's back in tomorrow. Um, he's just it's 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 refreshing to have someone who wants to learn so much. Even that they're this is their tenth UFC fight. He's still in to learn. He's trusting what I'm saying. He's he's delivering it, and I think it's you know going to be good for him. And I mean, I just want to put point out this mentality because I never got a chance to during the show. But like someone like Mike Perry. Um, I really, like, I follow him on Instagram. It's just that refreshing mentality. He went in, he's like, man, I effed up. I didn't do great. I got to get back. I got to get better. Just hearing someone be so positive from a loss is really uh, refreshing to hear. And I think if you follow Mike Perry, you always think he's joking. But how much of a mindset of martial arts, of how he wants to learn, he goes, man, I'm going to be the best wrestler now. He took something from that. And I think, 
you know, you got to keep things fresh in martial arts. And it's been amazing for me to work with Chad in that way. Like, let's work on different things and let's get better and let's have fun together. As a coach, I'm learning and having fun at the same time. Even after so many years of martial arts, you know, we're learning, we're sparking, we're having fun. Yeah, sometimes losing is uh, is the best remedy for yeah. for getting better. I mean, look at Curtis Blades after his first fight with Nagandu. Like, if if he hadn't lost that fight... He might still be like training at the UFC yeah. gym in Chicago, like yeah. you know. That's and actually, I'm I'm, I'm uh, listening to an audio book called The Art of Learning. It's Josh Waitskin, and he was a world champion chess player as a kid. He was like the the becoming of Bobby Fischer. He's yeah, yeah. The, like the the next of the Bobby Fishers, and then he ended up becoming a world champion in push hand fighting and Tai Chi push hand oh, wow. fighting. So okay. yeah, and his whole book is on. Um, it's called The Art of Learning, and he talks about it like. Everybody's so like so feared of learning, uh, of sorry of losing that they're just become obsessed with it. But he's like, you have to lose in order to become good. How else do you learn? So if you embrace the losing process, that's how you become the best, and that's part of his whole art of learning, which is true. If yeah. you sit there and you cry and you sulk about it and you don't want to work on it, you got to get over it and let's go. Yeah, and I mean, if Martial you look arts at if, number one, if you look at the that. UFC, like almost every great fighter has a loss. Yeah. I mean, like GSP has a loss. Yeah. I mean, Khabib's undefeated. It's what you do. He might, from he might retire undefeated. Yeah. But I'm sure he lost back in the day in like Sambo or something. You know, some things back in in Dagestan. Like everybody has to lose before they can yeah. come back and win. And I think George, once he lost, became obsessed with winning. Like, that's, I, I but think that's that, what you need. Yeah. That's what you need. You got to be obsessed with it. A lot of guys are too focused, and I've worked with so many MMA fighters, even to this day, they only want to work what they're good at. Oh, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. I'm like, no, because there's no, one, there should be no such thing as a camp. You should be training all year round and you should be learning everything. Just because you're a good wrestler, you should, then you should be learning how to fight long. You should learn how to do what you're not good at. Too many guys just want to stay focused in their little comfort zone. Well, look at George. He's grappling with Gary Tonin, like the best yeah, BJJ guys, absolutely. and probably getting, and getting losing, whipped every time. And going home and being frustrated and then coming back the next day and being like, okay, how can I defend that better? You might have 1% success. You get beat up again, then you go back. That's the art of learning. You got to lose in training every day, and that's what George does. And yeah. Look at him; he puts himself in that position. Absolutely. It's, so I mean, that's yeah, it's success crazy. there. And I'm sure Khabib is probably in there wrestling with like Daniel Cormier, who's yeah. a heavyweight. Just but there's, you know, I'm going to tell you, Aaron. There's too many guys in this sport where um, they don't want to be bringing guys that can beat them because it hurts their ego, and it's a really ego dominated sport, and guys don't want that. If people are pretty hypersensitive, I've, I've noticed oh, in, in, in mixed martial arts. And especially, that's the worst and part I don't about blame me them. being I mean, a commentator. You don't want to be embarrassed in front of like uh, people on TV yeah. and all that. But that's the worst part of me being a commentator, sensitive fighters. I, it's hard for me to, to fully do my job because sometimes I really have to hold back on what I have to say because I know my friend who I'm calling is going to get mad at me, even though it, it has to be said. Must, it must be said. It must the truth be must come out. Yeah, whether you hate me or not. But, it. I mean, I get it. I get it. If the guy is so sensitive, I mean, this is his career. This is his life. He's in a world title. This is all he worked for. And I'm like, he's just not looking good. He's a little flat. And, and he does. But sometimes they just don't want me to say that out loud for people to hear. I mean, the problem. Sensitive. The problem is that uh, people need to just accept that there's critics in every walk of life. Yeah. Like if I don't, if I don't perform well at work during my whatever, my quarterly meeting with my boss or whatever, where we sit down and we'll go over things, maybe if he tells me that I didn't do well in this category, I need to improve. Basketball players. I mean, a lot of these basketball players, they're criticized by someone in the, in the media. They say, hey, did, did you play the game? It's like, but it's, yeah. it's irrelevant. Yeah. It's just get over yourself. If you had a bad night, learn. Yeah. if you had a bad night, you had a bad and night, it's an get opinion. better. Yeah. I mean, if, I, you, if my, you use the criticism as fuel, you'll never get worse. Yeah. But if you get your back about it and get offended yeah. and say, "Well," if people say to me, "How many times have you fought?" 
Yeah. If I'm criticizing something that happened during a fight, I've watched thousands of fights. Yeah. So I've been able, I, you know, I could say, here's where you, you know, here's where this guy went wrong. And if he doesn't agree with that, that's fine. Yeah. And maybe I am wrong. It's an opinion. But it's an opinion. And it's there's an just going to be critics in every walk and, of life. And there'll be a difference of opinion in every aspect. I've, my favorite word, uh, what I've learned to say is fair. If, if I disagree something, I, I'll say fair. Fair. It is fair. Like, you do have a point. Maybe I don't agree with it, but it's fair. It's a fair mm-hmm. point. And yeah. that's my line. You'll hear me say it. If I disagree with you, I'll say fair because it is fair. I yeah. just, you know, as a, as a kid, it used to be me. I have to give my point. No, it's fair. You have your opinion. It's mine. That's why I've learned not to talk politics, religion. Mm-hmm. I just, fair, fair, just big fair. Well, Michael Landsberg, who used to host Off the Record, was a very public figure, obviously, doing the, doing a daily show. He used to go out to whatever games, basket, you know, a hockey game or whatever, and people would come up to him and be like, hey, Landsberg, I think you're a real idiot. Yeah. And he'd be like, and, and he would always look at them and be like, yeah, you're you're right. Yeah, fair. And, yeah. and the guy would be like, "What do you mean?" He'd be like, "Well, I mean, I can't tell you that you're wrong. But that's how you that's feel. That's how you feel about me." Yeah. Sure. And then they would always disarm them because they were probably looking for like a more yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. negative uh, reaction. Yeah, that's, that's what they that, want. Though. If you that's go, what call, a negative yeah, comment if you go wants, up to somebody and right? say you're an idiot, you're not gonna you're you're doing it yeah. to get a negative reaction. Yeah. Hey, that's my character. That's what I do, and I have a successful show. What are you doing? Yeah, but he yeah. would never say that. What he says is like, "You're right. I am yeah. an idiot. If that's what you think." Sure. Then, then you're right. That yeah. I can't change your opinion. Yeah, and it then, then and then usually they're like, yeah. "Oh, I'm so sorry about yeah, that." Yeah. You know? Oh, always. Even on social media, someone will write something like so negative about me. I'm like, "Hey, man, thanks, thanks for the advice, thanks for the support." And then they're, they're immediately, "Oh my god, I didn't think you were gonna reply. Yeah, I'm so sorry." I mean, I'm a I'm a huge fan. I was like, "Okay, man, that's cool." I'm like, "Thank you. You wrote, you comment, you posted, you got people talking. There's more eyes on it." So, I mean, you have to learn to not care. And watch like I don't watch any of my stuff anymore. Like I, I mean, with commentary, with all my glory interviews, with all my YouTube channel, I try not to watch. You mean like your own YouTube videos? My you own, post? because then yeah. I'm very critical on myself. So I'm like, if I watch it, I don't read I the won't comments. Be natural, no, I know. Don't read the YouTube comments. But you know don't what? do it. You know what though? It actually helps me sometimes because the feedback I get is so positive from people that that's true. I've learned to read through it. Like, okay, this guy had a point. Like, you well, got to kind of filter it mentally. But like, yeah, but and if somebody maybe somebody people, will maybe somebody will criticize it in a in a way that's yeah, going to help you. But fix to, it. If, if there's 50 comments and two of them are negative, but 48 saying thank you, you're the best instructor. This is the best channel on YouTube. And if you read them, I'm telling you, every most 99 percent of them are the most positive things you've ever read. Uh, depends so what you're doing. So for me, I it's guess. worth it. You know, <laughs> I'm giving out all this free knowledge and this advice that took me years of experience and stitches and damage to give it. I'm giving it out for free. But um, most of the time, people are great. So it, that actually motivates me to want to do more. So I need to just know that I'm mentally strong enough to be able to read them and block out those negative things. Yeah, or or if you see something negative, maybe you can learn something from it. Yeah, make and or I'll message them and say, hey, fair. I'm just going <laughs> to fair. Everything, I'm just going to have fair. Copy, yeah. paste, copy, paste. <laughs> all those negative, fair. So, well, that's on uh, YouTube. That's Joseph Valtellini, Escaping the Clinch. Uh, Bazooka Kickboxing, he can teach you in person how to escape the clinch at 680 Progress Road in Toronto, Uh, Scarborough to be more specific, and uh, you can learn from uh, the best. You got it. The best kickboxer in Canada today. In the world. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Fair. 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 There you go. You're (laughs) learning, see? You and your wife are gonna have a happier marriage now with the word fair. I like that. I actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna store that in my back pocket. Nobody nobody can get upset if you say that to them. No, it's fair. It is fair. I Nobody's going to say, why wouldn't that be fair? Yeah. It's, Not it's that really fair. I'm trying to like, just disagree we with you. agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I, I agree to disagree, and it's fair. Yeah. All right. All righty. Well, we'll have a, another show next week. Uh, thanks for tuning in. 
next week, uh, what's what's the card they got next week? I'm almost losing track of it. So we've got the uh, card in Beijing next week uh, with the Curtis Blades and uh, Francis Nagano, the rematch. Yeah, your Curtis Blades guy. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an MMA guy, Joe. Yeah. I yeah. hope you know if if Francis Nagano yeah, wins, I'd be guys, I'd be happy though. for him. He, you know he needs to bounce back. Like even as a Glory commentator, I have secret guys that I like. Yeah. I mean, like I just because I connect with them so personally outside of the ring. I'm like, man, it's my guy. Next week, Joe will tell us who they are on the nope. show. So tune in. Secrets. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca/ufc.